Frank, it's been a few weeks since Connect, our big Connect episode, and uh, our favorite feature seems to be getting a lot of buzz. And of course, that favorite feature is nullable reference types, Frank. That's right. That's right. Uh, I think during that episode, I was intrigued enough that I'd already started coding a tiny bit. I got a little distracted in the episode because I was so excited to try the feature out. I had just gotten Visual Studio 2019 installed. And I wasn't sure. I think on the episode, I said, like, I'm going to spend the rest of the night working on this. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm not really going to do that. I'm going to wait. And then, James, I spent the rest of the night working on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. I like that. And apparently other library creators are doing the same. And we talked about it in the episode that, you know, nullable references are really great, but they're not going to be great for anyone if nobody implements them and starts using them. And specifically... Unfortunately for us library creators, we're going to have to sort of be on the cutting edge because people will be consuming our libraries and wanting to flip on these bits. And if we enable it, it's going to really help. And you seem to have gone through all of the drama because you wrote a great blog post literally that came out on the day that we're recording the 20th or the 17th. So that's what a coincidence. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I decided, um, I definitely want to do libraries before I try apps. I think I mentioned that in my mind, apps are very scary because I know for a fact, I'm just passing null around everywhere. Null means 10 different things in my apps. And I have no idea what any of those 10 things are. And so I'm a little nervous about that. So I decided to attack the problem from doing my little libraries. And these are my open source libraries that, well, honestly, that no one else contributes to. (laughs) And so I felt (laughs) a little bit safe um, messing around and requiring that um, .NET Core 3.0 be installed. Because I I hate to do that if I have active contributors, because not everyone wants to upgrade. But yeah, as library developers, we kind of are the front line. We kind of have to get all our stuff in order. I think I even heard today that uh, um, uh, Jason.net is, it's going to be his winter project to Ooh. try to get it converted. Well, you know, if you when you frame it that way, it sort of entices me to start going through some of my libraries, like MVVM helpers, for instance, and just kind of get it done. Um, and for sure that one's nice and small too that would be a great one to start with you can't have too many uses of null in that and so my question here before we even go into it is so let's say i go through all this hard work and all this energy c sharp 8 is not even out yet it's not even a thing done <laughs> core 3 is a ways away like is there an advantage to doing it now like is it an advantage for me to go through all of the work now in inside of this thing Yes. <laughs> and okay. this has been a fun little debate on Twitter that I've been having. And the question basically comes up, uh, it, it's as simple as this. Are we wasting our time annotating all our code with these things? Even take away the fact that C Sharp 8's not even fully released yet, even table that. Is this just messing around and adding annotations to our code for no reason? Or is this actually solving a problem? And I can tell you, at least from my perspective, it's already found two bugs, like two proper bugs that I had no idea how to find and how to track down or any of that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, we're not helping the world right now because not everyone is using C Sharp 8, but just for my own code, I want it because I hate bugs and I want to squish them. So that way you can start to light up a few of your libraries and then bring that back into your app 
yeah. check, check some things out slowly. Is that kind of your thought process there? Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, specifically, I have um, App Center logs that show null reference exception in this library at this function. But, you know, I've opened that code and looked at it and just using my tiny little brain, I'm like, I don't know. I guess it could be null there, but maybe that code up there should have caught it. I don't know. (laughs) But when you enable this feature, the compiler stares at you in the face and says, hey, buddy, that that there can be null. You better take care of it. Gotcha. Gotcha. So you flip the bit. Walk me through the <laughs> process, Frank. I want to know. All right. I go and do this today. I have I just installed 2019 on my machine. I'm another machine, so I'm at home. So I can do this. What do mm-hmm. I gotta do? What's what's the <laughs> steps? Okay, well, in my case, I was already starting out with um, a library that was .NET standard, and I was already building it on .NET Core. So those are kind of two prerequisites you want to get to. Um, I think we're all kind of moving in that direction, though, for our open source libraries. It's kind of how we're all building them these days. Mm -hmm. But if you have an older library, um, you're going to have to get it converted over to a a .NET standard library, something that .NET Core can build, because we're going to use the compiler from .NET Core 3.0. .NET build. Can't use MS build. .NET build. No. Um, MS build should work as long as all your paths are right. It's a little weird on Mac, exactly. But .NET build is your safe one. Do that. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Okay. .NET build, .NET run, .NET pack. Use all those. Okay. okay. So um, now the smoothest way is to use Visual Studio 2019 preview, whatever we're up to <laughs> when this episode <laughs> releases. Um, and that's because there's two things at play here. Um, one is we had to update the compiler, so the compiler knows how to do all this stuff. And the other thing is we have to update our editors. And the editors have their own little compilers, which aren't always the same compilers that you use when you do an actual build. It's a little funny like that. Because you're also getting, you're getting all the IntelliSense, you're getting the squigglies, you're getting the niceties that come along with it. Yeah. Yeah. Then they'll even have like code fixes, analyzers. So they'll say, oh, the the null reference thing figured this part out. Do you want to help fix your code here? So all those niceties, all that, you really want to be on Visual Studio 2019 as of today. Mm, Got it. Now I'll tell this story in the future. I did my second library on the Mac and I'll, I can describe that later. Okay. All right. Okay. But easy peasy, open your csproj file. And there's no GUI support for this, unfortunately. So by hand, type all this in. And you want to say noble reference types. And you want to say true. It's just a little property. And by default, uh, noble references aren't turned on. We mentioned this before. And so that little property is going to tell the compiler for that entire project, start tracking nulls. Do it do it this is the big one and then if you're a sadist like me (laughs) you also um enable warnings as errors because um i don't know about y'all but i tend to ignore warnings (laughs) oh my god it's just a warning but if the build stops then you can't ignore it so i just go for it yep warnings as errors um okay so you're going to get now, depending on the size of your code and how much you love to type in the word null, anywhere <laughs> between, let's go with 10 to 20 errors, just from the first get-go. Mm. And yeah, and this is going to be the case where you literally use the word null 
uh, in, in your code because oh, things it, can no longer be null. Right. Okay. I should have said, unless it's a nullable int or a nullable double or something like that. Exactly. Yeah. Those structs with the question mark. Yeah. Th th those will work exactly the way you think they do, but you're right. That that's the most important difference here is we switch the default. The default used to be every object can be null. Now the default is none of these objects can be null unless you explicitly say that it is allowed to be. So that's the big switch that happens with that project it. property. Yeah. So now you're going to just get so many errors <laughs> <laughs> because um, that first pass is going to be you adding question marks to everything. And the reason that's pretty simple, actually, it's because wherever you explicitly use the word null, obviously that thing has to be nullable. So this pass is actually pretty quick. You can burn through these 20 or 30 errors pretty quickly. Now, when you were doing that, though, were you having to decide like, oh, this actually should be null? Or did mm -hmm. you just say, well, I obviously assigned it to null, so it, it should be allowed to be null? You're going to be asking yourself that question the rest of the night, the rest of the week, however long it takes you for this. This feature will make you question every decision you've ever made. Your concept of null, your concept of emptiness, philosophy will be engaged. <laughs> yeah, it's rough. Honestly, it's it's a new code analysis tool. And anytime you have a new code analysis tool, it's it's you realize things you took for granted in your own code. You're like, okay. yeah, so yeah, you, Okay, for this first part, though, no, this is actually a pretty easy, these, this first set of bugs, wherever you actually said the word null. That's actually real easy, because in pretty much every one of those cases, you just put a question mark. Pretty, pretty simple. Yeah. You're like, I meant, I meant to do this. I, it's yeah. okay. No, no, there's no dragons here. It's all gravy. Yeah. Th this is the part of your code where you intentionally use null. So it's fine. Now, <laughs> those 20 or 30 errors are going to blossom into, <laughs> well, for my first library, somewhere around 130 errors. Mm. So now what the compiler is doing is you've stated everything that you think can be null. Now it's going to start using its intelligence to decide, uh, is it safe to call this code? So it's going to look for things like, did you call a method on an object that can, that can potentially be null? And if you do, you better use null propagation or you better check if it's null. And it's going to check that and start throwing errors. Can you imagine, James, how many errors that's going to be? <laughs> a lot, a lot. So yeah. at this point, now that you've gone, you're like, this is my real API. And now, now, now Visual Studio, now the compiler is just going really just it's, it's just constantly yelling at you is is what i'm assuming is there's just it's just everything is red everything is squiggles everything is upset yeah and a lot of them are easy fixes you'll be like oh i just missed a question mark here but as you mentioned earlier other ones really do make you question your design where you have to decide what did i mean by null here and how should i handle null here so if you have um something like um rocket.launch what do you do when the rocket is null do you abort the launch should you throw an exception like maybe throwing null reference exception maybe it was a terrible exception but maybe you actually should throw an exception at that point so you have to make all these decisions don't launch the rocket abort abort quietly all these decisions you'll start having to make 
I, I don't want it to sound too rough, though, because there are a lot of rote decisions where it's just like, oh, obviously, I, I can handle null here. I always meant to handle null here. Yeah. What, what happens? I'm sort of browsing through your blog a little bit and starting to look at some of the APIs. And, you know, you, you've sort of narrowed it down to a person type of initialization. And it seems as if you start to have to question, I have all these auto properties and I have constructors that set some things, but not other things. Some things are strings. Some things are other things. Do I throw exceptions? Like, did, did you find yourself that you were missing throwing exceptions or you were doing it correct or just you're like i need to change my entire thought process <laughs> i uh i took a few tactics in general i decided not to throw exceptions so i'd rather handle the error uh, or the null in this case more gracefully um and you hit upon the big one that you're going to come up with with this. I, I feel like there's two kinds of classes in the world. Ones that are proper object-oriented things that encapsulate logic and state. They can mutate. Maybe they have a few properties on them. Real object-oriented classic things. Mm. And then you have your data objects. <laughs> you yeah. know these things. You don't really care about them. They got some properties on them. Maybe a few methods to do something like this or that. And I found it was always those classes <laughs> that caused all the trouble because you didn't write constructors for them or you make assumptions about the knowability of all their fields and that kind of stuff. So definitely those data objects are one of the trickiest parts of all this. And not so tricky in that it's hard. You could easily just start gnawing out all their fields, but then you're going to generate errors everywhere. So it'd be nice if you didn't have to gnaw out all the fields. And so, yeah, there's <laughs> those ones lead to more errors, which lead to more errors, which lead to more errors, unfortunately. Basic functions are much easier to handle than those objects. Mm. Yeah, and it seemed like one of your big takeaways from this is you're fixing all your bugs, you're kind of setting up your API, and what it comes down to is that the compiler is just way smarter than all of us. It's just way yeah. smart. And you start questioning it because I, I do want to make it clear. This is a preview version of C-sharp 8, and there are bugs with it. I've filed bugs. They've acknowledged them. They said, yep, we'll be fixed in the next version, all that kind of stuff. So you can drive yourself a tiny bit mad saying, am I losing it? Is the compiler right? And, you know, you start to have these debates. But I said in my blog, um, anytime that you find you're having this debate or this argument with the compiler, I chose to rewrite the code to be clearer and more straightforward. My logic being, if I can't convince the compiler that what I'm doing here is safe, then how should I ever convince a human that this is safe so i i, I would rewrite that code in, in a simple way got it did you find yourself having to change major st structures of your code and what i mean by that is like i have editor configs that enforce certain um certain styles so i use var everywhere and i never use this anywhere um and did you find yourself having to change some of those because I mean, I understand if I say string name equals null, but there could be something where I'm like var name equals something else. And maybe that is null. So like it's not clear that that could be null. Does that make sense? 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually run into this one a bunch because I'm a VAR addict. I, I hate restating the types anywhere. Yeah. And r- right now with the current version, if you say VAR, it assumes, because this is the new default, that the the variable is not nullable. You can't make it null. Mm. The problem is um, our code doesn't always do that because that's the opposite <laughs> of the old <laughs> default. And so I even brought this up uh, the first day I ran into this. I uh, Twittered Mads because that's what Twitter's for, right? Yep. Just reach out to people. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, Mads, any chance we could get a var question mark? Mm. So instead of defaulting to not knowable, it defaults to knowable. And so it'll mimic the old behavior. So what do you think he said? Uh, he said, Frank, that's a great idea. I absolutely love it. I'll implement it the next version. <laughs> close, close. He's like, Frank, I had that idea like two years ago. Go read the spec. We just haven't implemented it. <laughs> <laughs> now, I think there's a little debate whether they're going to implement it. But I think just the user feedback is we all kind of want it because that, that scenario comes up a bunch, especially when converting old code. You know, we should make that distinction it kept occurring to me um all of this is a lot of work and we're we're discussing the effort and all that for converting old code bases but if you're starting from scratch on a new code base this is going to be just a breeze of a feature because you're only going to put the question marks where you have nulls and all that and so you're just not going to run into any of these problems uh, so there's a huge advantage then starting out, trying to go in, file new, enabling this right away. So if you're creating a new project, December 2018, going into January 2019, go for it is kind of what oh, your yeah. thought process is here. You know? It's such a good feature. It's such a good error finder. It gives you such a good sense of confidence. And if you don't have to pay a price for it, because you're not, it's... Wherever you use null, you put a question mark. It's not a big deal. <laughs> and then you have, yeah, and then you have all the power of the compiler helping you out. I made the argument in my blog that these are the memory features. These are the reasons we use C Sharp. It's the reason I'm not a C++ programmer is because I want the compiler to handle these things for me. It's also why I'm not a JavaScript Python programmer is because I do rely on compilers and analysis and that kind of stuff. I like those features. And so anytime you throw more analysis at me, take advantage of it. Hmm. Yeah. And it seems as, as though you're not the only one. Like I mentioned earlier, there seems to be a lot of other library creators. And I mentioned, I may have mentioned, but John Skeet, who does note a time? Uh, he put out a tweet. Literally, that's like I think maybe he read your blog and then went and implemented it <laughs> in general. <laughs> Who knows? But, um, he was saying that he did a full pass on note a time, which is a very large library, and he only has about ten warnings left. And it seems as if I'm assuming he left errors off. By the way, um, that he was having some problems with like enumerable or equatable and generics in general and. I prompted you the question before the podcast, which is, if I have an I enumerable or a list of things, is this new nullable references going to give me the ability to ensure that no one tries to add to add null into that list? Is like, is that a use case here? Um, at some level, yes, and at some level, no. So we have to dive into the details, unfortunately, for this one. Um, I think one thing to make clear, and this is something they used to stress in the past, but they don't really talk about anymore, is that this is not a 100% feature, as in it can't 
catch 100% of all bugs and cover 100% of all scenarios. This is a feature added that actually does try to maintain a lot of backwards compatibility. And probably the biggest thing about it is it doesn't change the runtime at all. The CLR is not changing at all to implement these nullable references. This is purely a language feature. So all that said, if you're a clever little programmer person, you can get around this thing in a million different ways. Mm -hmm. There's a million different ways to bypass its security model. Um, so the preface to all of this is, while we're about to discuss all the ways you can get around it in the next few minutes, don't do it. Um, you're just shooting yourself in the foot. There's absolutely no reason to be doing these terrible things that we're about to discuss. So shall we continue? <laughs> with, with, that, with that disclaimer, Frank, tell me how to hack the planet. <laughs> hack the planet um yeah so you can declare um a list of foo and by default that will be saying that every object in this list uh has to have a value cannot be null mm -hmm. but the problem is james is that these nullable reference things are not actually assigned to types and because it's not assigned to a type, that means that the generic system, the generic type system, doesn't really know about them very much, sadly. Because uh, um, it's um, generic. Uh, uh, not because it's generic, because generics rely on types. Yes. And these things aren't really types. They look like types. They quack like a type. They swim like a type. <laughs> But, but they're, they're not they're, actually types. They're not. They're 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 uh, in disguise. They're uh, yeah. trying to be sneaky. Trying to be sneaky, sneaky. Yeah. They're more of a. <laughs> they're more of your. You have a type, and this is just a compiler helper thing. Your job. It's a flag. Yeah, some yeah. metadata. Ah. So it's, an, it's literally an attribute uh, yes. when you see how these things are compiled. Yeah. Um. And it's fine because, honestly, in the future, they could bake it into the type system and change the runtime a little bit. But for now, we just want compatibility. Uh, you want your C-sharp code to be compatible with VB code and F-sharp code, and not everyone supports these things yet. So there are acceptable compromises, and part of that compromise is you can put some nulls <laughs> into that list. Uh, it can't catch every error, unfortunately. Mm, got it. That makes sense. Sad times. Yeah, and someone on Twitter brought up another interesting one. Uh, you can say uh, var lines, uh, lines variable, equals new string bracket 10 bracket. And as we all know, that allocates an array of 10 elements, but every one of those elements is null uh, because we didn't give it an initializer. But the compiler allows that. It, it, it shouldn't. You should have to declare it as string question mark, bracket, bracket, and then it can be null. Um, these are little bugs. <laughs> these are little deficiencies. Uh, they actually don't come up as much as you might think. So it's, it's not as big of a problem, but there are tons of these little holes. I mentioned reflection in my blog. Um, because it's not baked into the type system, because it's not baked into the runtime, you can bypass all of this <laughs> nullability security stuff with reflection. It don't care. It doesn't care. Yeah, and I feel like that's the that's just kind of how C sharp sort of works. Is there's all sorts of different things that developers can do and inject and and dynamically allocate and do all sorts of stuff. Does dynamic work? How does dynamic work with this stuff? <laughs> 
Oh, shoot. I didn't check that one. You know, I never think about dynamic. Because it's dynamic, dynamic Frank. More. Do, I know. Do whatever it wants. Do whatever it wants to do. Nullable, undefined. With, yeah, JavaScript has the tri-state nullable. <laughs> it's like, oh, it could be so many different things. Uh, I, I want to mention a few other uh, fun things that I, I do um, while converting the code. A lot of times I try to actually remove my use of null while converting the code because I figure um, it's kind of that F-sharp stuff. Null is evil. <laughs> it's just going to cause problems. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the times through this analysis, I'll just look to remove it and I'll have more confidence removing it because I will have put all my question marks wherever I need to and all that stuff. And so with that confidence, I feel like I can refactor the code a little more confidently. Got it. I keep saying confidence, confidence, confidence. You know, you know what it really is, though? Thank God I had unit tests for these libraries because uh, both times I introduced bugs doing this. Uh, because I was doing warnings as errors, I wasn't running my unit tests during every refactoring. So that's an argument against <laughs> warning as errors because mm. you could keep rerunning your unit tests. I wasn't doing that. That might have been a mistake. And so basically at the very end i just hit run unit tests cross my fingers and guess what they failed left and right <laughs> so <laughs> i'd have to go through my diffs and figure out exactly what i broke and all that kind of stuff and that's not fun that's not fun i just realizing as i'm speaking here shouldn't have done it that way keep them as warnings people <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I, you know, and that's the nice thing about the feature flag is that you can turn it on and off, turn it back to warnings, you can do whatever you want. And at the end of the day, you know, it's kind of, it's there to be a helper. And, yeah. you know, we could kind of, you know, do our own thing. Yeah. And in fact, you can disable um, C sharp files also. So you can say in the project, enable this feature, but in this one file, disable it. And I actually did that for um, particularly the C language one because it uses generated code. Mm. Um, another program generates the code. And uh, the code it was generating, uh, <laughs> well, the compiler didn't like it. It didn't like all its null use and all that stuff. But I knew that code worked. It was just written in a funny way. And so I just flat out turned off uh, the feature for that file. And you can do that. Oh, that's no, nice. no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think that there'll be a mix of? Do you think it's better to turn it on one kind of file at a time, or do you think just all in? I mean, because is it no. helpful if a library has a mixed mode? You know, is that even helpful at that? No, point? No, I, I, I think it's not helpful to do one at a time, and that's why I found it a little odd actually that they were promoting that in the beginning. No, um, because. Because of what we said before, where you actually do start to think, rethink through some of your data flow, you know, can it be null here? This object gets passed to that, that object gets passed to that. Can it be null at that point? You're thinking through a lot of that stuff. And honestly, it's better, easy, better and easier to think through that stuff once and not have to do that for every file as you slowly enable it over the entire project. I would say enable it for every file. Just keep a, a work in progress PR open. And just keep adding to it over time until the stupid thing gets compiling and <laughs> executing correctly again. It's, I think it's better to fight the war all at once than to piecemeal it out like that. Nice. Huh. Yeah, I'm going to have to give this a go. I'm pretty intrigued to sort of get in there and sort of go to town on it and get it in some of my applications. 
I know yeah. that there's a lot of other languages that are looking into implementing this type of uh, language feature. I was reading something on the Dart Lang too, and um, it just popped up in my feed, something about Dart. And uh, legitimately, they're like, um, we want to implement nullable reference. Here's how C Sharp does it. Maybe we should just do oh, it like yeah. that, you know? I was like, oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's sort of like async await. Eventually, probably a lot of other languages are going to get this type of support yeah. some way. Yep. Uh, so beating C sharp to the chase, of course, was F sharp and all the ML languages. We've mentioned them. They support null, but they really discourage you from using it. Uh, then Swift has it. Uh, Swift is a little bit crazy because they actually have three nullable Ooh. values, nullable, probably not nullable, and definitely not nullable. <laughs> and it makes code a little bit confusing. And so I don't really like that one. So I actually prefer the C-sharp way. But then uh, TypeScript, I believe, also supports some form of nullable or undefinedness with a question mark. And so we, we've had a good lineage. And I think that's why the C-sharp version came out as good as it did because they've had some languages to look back to. And also, I should mention that, um, talk about full circle stuff, uh, F-sharp <laughs> has non-nullables. They've always promoted not null. But now that um, all of our libraries are going to be annotated with all this not null stuff, they can use that to their advantage even more. And so F-sharp, the language, is going to change a tiny bit to support C-sharp not null stuff. And that's going to be nice to have. Very cool. Yeah, I'll be really interested to see because I have to do so. I'm wondering, is VB doing anything? <laughs> they must be. must be. VB, yeah. They always keep pace. They're doing great. Yeah, I got I'm, I'm just curious kind of how the, the world here turns because in, in a world where things can be null, and that's been the world I've lived in forever, <laughs> we, we, in fact, we wanted other things to be null. We wanted ints to be null. We wanted date times to be null. You know, you know, and now we're oh, saying, yeah. now we're saying, no, 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 I'm just kidding. Don't let anything be null. You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> you're right. That's a good point. I forgot because yeah, we added struct null ability. That wasn't until like C sharp four or three yeah. or two. I don't know, whatever. But yeah, that was added. Uh, and you know, the funny one about that, that actually did require a runtime change. They did change the CLR to support that. Mm -hmm. I wonder if they uh, took some lessons from that, and that's why they did it a little differently this time. Who knows? Had to have. I mean, we I get these questions all the time, you know, and it's it, it's all these things in code where it's oh maybe this will be null at some point, or how do you check to see if they set this property or turn it on and off, and is it a bool or is it a is it a yeah. this property and this property now is nullable, you know, and you're like oh, and you just kind of hit your head against the wall You're like oh is this color nullable i don't know and oh um, yeah so you know it was it's it's the git functions that kill me in my code um yeah you know, uh get color get get title get blah 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 because you know when you write when you think through the function like of course it'll always return valid data and then when you're actually implementing the function you realize all the nulls that can come up and you're like well yeah i can return null too whatever i'm sure i'll handle that in the right spot mm-hmm and so I used to have this decent discipline of um, I'd name the function get color if it always returned a value, find color if it could uh, not return a value, or I'd even call it like try get color. You know, I had all sorts of stupid naming conventions to try to convey whether the thing can return null or not. But now I don't have to do that. I can just put a question mark on it and be like, obviously, it returns a nullable now. I'll be intrigued to see how other things such as first or default work 
you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, that one's coming up. Uh, that, that's related to what John Skeet was asking. So this is a great time to, I, th- I think they're still working on the features so we can ask these good questions. Feedback, yeah. feedback. First or default, what's another good one? That's a big one though, for sure. Yeah, first or default is one I use everywhere in code because I'm query, and the reason you want to use this in Link is I'm querying a bunch of things in a list and I want the first one, you know, first mm-hmm. first or default. And sometimes that that list could be empty. So if you say first, that will throw an exception. If you say first or default, it will return null if there are none in that, right? Um, or yeah. the defaults. And it's also just, it's just a good search. I, I just want to find something in this list. It's just a really convenient function. Give it to me, yeah. So and you may do that when you want to, um, you know, in, instead of a, a good example of that is I want to order by descending or order by. And in this instance, you don't, you're, you're sort of using first, or default to get away from saying, are there even elements in this thing, you know, or checking to see if a certain property mm-hmm. is certain o- over 10, right? So you're saying, oh, in, in this thing, see if count is greater than 10, you know, order by descending, you know, whatever, whatever it is, you know, and <laughs> or less than or whatever, and just grabbing that number and, and or sorting and doing a bunch of things. And, and that becomes the problem is what happens in those scenarios. And I need to test this in my code, Frank, I need to see what happens. But what's nice is, um, you know, another question that kept coming up was now that the compiler can tell and verify that this, let's say, an argument to a function can never be null, do I have to add my is argument null checks and throw my exceptions? Do I need to? And I think that this is something we're all as a community going to kind of kind of figure out and <laughs> come to a solution. The solution I'm using right now is if it's a public class and a public method, I do still do all the null checks, even though in the code I declared it is not knowable. I figure VB could be hitting it. Some other language could be hitting it. Who knows? Reflection could be hitting it. And so I want to just play it safe. But for pretty much everything else, I'm not putting on those argument null exceptions. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be intrigued to see how this rolls out. And I'll think, I think I'm going to be uh, doing a little bit of updating over the next uh, few weeks or so. And I'll <laughs> report back, Frank. But thanks for uh, giving a full breakdown of how, yeah. uh, of how your little, uh, little adventure went. Well, I'm only two libraries in. How many uh, open source projects do you have, James? Too many, too many, too many. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when I when I do one of the big projects, I really want to do SQLite-net. Mm. Um, but I'm afraid of that one because not everyone's compilers are set up. So I might into, wait until the language, uh, yeah, the language is fully released for that. Yeah, that's a good one. Well, I will continue to monitor the situation. And uh, if any of our listeners have gone through the process of updating a library, let us know. I'd be interested too. Seems as though people are getting excited about it. I'm super excited about C Sharp 8. I love new language features. Mm, make me feel all warm mm-hmm. and fuzzy inside. <laughs> I want those new new hotness. And it took a while too. Yeah. And the nice thing is the IDEs, you're talking about the language services. Once those IDEs and we just have them stable and we're using them every day, man, those language features light up and I get so excited to use them. So, um, yeah, just, yeah. I'm just excited for 2019. It's going to be a great year. That's the beauty of Roslyn. It's just like, yeah, the language increases and all of a sudden the editors get more powerful too. Yeah. It's a wonderful combination. Well, Frank, I think that's going to do it. Anything else that you want to talk about Ooh. or no? Null has vanished. We'll, we'll never have to deal with it again. It's gone. Perfect. I'm, I'm 
I'm happy. Whatever. <laughs> I, I've just been waiting for this moment for eight years, you know, no big deal. So we're going to call this, I, I was going to call it nullable references everywhere. Should it be no? No, we want down with null. <laughs> Get rid. I don't know. I'll have to figure out. What, for, we'll figure it we'll out. Figure. clever. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in. You can, of course, subscribe on your favorite podcast application. If you're using Apple Podcasts, we'd love a review. Just go in literally into Apple Podcasts, five stars, boom. Uh, appreciate that. Helps the podcast grow. If you're using Overcast, inside the app, there's a little share button. You can share that. That helps Marco, ding, and the Overcast team to help promote shows and raise up the shows in the ranks. And, of course, uh, promotes the show through you know, sharing it with people. You, of course, go to MergeConflict.fm or follow us on Twitter at MergeConflict.fm. Until next week, um, that's going to do it. I'm James Montemagno. And I'm Frank Krueger. Thanks for listening. Peace.